This episode of the Nerd Cave Retro is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. You're listening to the Nerd Cave Network. Greetings, programs, and welcome back to the Nerd Cave Retro Podcast. My name is Jason Robbins. And I'm Derek Diamond. And we have a fantastic guest with us tonight. The man who I have had on the Pop Culture Palette Podcast quite a few times. He is from Gamertag Radio, the the Remember When Podcast, and also one of my favorite old gaming podcasts. It's not around anymore, but I wish it still was. Uncle Gamer. Here he is, Mr. Paris Lilly. Hey, thank you for having me. I, I really appreciate you inviting me to the show. I'm looking forward to this. Well, I figured it, we, we talked about having guests on the show, and you were the first person that popped in my head because I know you love some retro game stuff. I mean, you've been a gamer as long as I have. Yeah, that's called being old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, nothing like being middle-aged. Yeah, I'm I'm not too far from that point myself. So, but no, it's it's great having you on the show, and you know, I look forward to talking more retro games as always. But yeah, it's it's like I said before on I think I actually said it on this show here. Paris was the person, uh, actually the very first podcaster I ever listened to on the Uncle Gamer podcast, and was my inspiration for becoming a podcaster. So if if you don't like my stuff, then uh, blame Paris. And he's at Vicious696 <laughs> on Twitter, and you can uh, you can yell at him there for for giving me my career. Well, I get yelled at there all the time for my gaming <laughs> opinion, so <laughs> jump aboard. <laughs> well, we can go ahead and launch right into our retro news for the week. Let's do it. This is on TechCrunch.com. The modders community is turning the NES Classic Edition into an all-purpose retro gaming machine. Uh, If you were lucky enough to get your hands on an NES Classic Edition this last holiday season, you were probably impressed with the quality of the emulation so much you wished you had a few more games, or maybe even that there was an SNES version. Well, your dream is coming true, kind of, anyway. Hackers have been able to add hundreds of games to this thing. Uh, And now, according to TechCrunch, according to Mad Monkey, it will automatically detect unsupported NES games and launch them instead of default emulator. Exit to menu, save states, etc. will work as usual. Also, it can emulate SNES, Genesis, GBA, and even Nintendo 64 uh, with classic controller, of course. So, what do you guys think about being able to play, like, Super Nintendo and Genesis games, and even Nintendo 64 games on this thing? I don't even know how that's possible. It's, um, it's crazy. I'm not surprised at all that this has happened. Uh, There's actually a video that's attached to the article. It's about 10 minutes long, and it's a guy showing demos of, like, uh, Super Mario Kart, Mario 64, and other games as well, so... Um, I'm not surprised at all that this has happened. I would never do this because as hard as this thing has been defined, 
I would not chance screwing it up whatsoever. Yeah. Well, Paris, I know you got your uh, your Nintendo Classic Edition for Christmas. What do you think about? Um, would you ever <laughs> risk breaking this thing to be able to mod it to get hundreds of games on this thing? Well, I, I need to be careful with my comments so that certain ears don't hear me say this. But uh, oh, I'm I'm 100 <laughs> going to do that. Uh, <laughs> but because uh, it's the thing, I mean, when it when it came out and it was limited to only those, I think it's 30 games. I'm like, why? I mean, you have such a vast library of games, and the fact that you're not allowing us a way to update this over time didn't make any sense to me now as far as like this article goes talking about the fact that it can do in 64 games yeah i i want to know that too how the heck is it doing it and doing it reliably but i'm not surprised to see people break into this thing because we we understood from the get-go that all all nintendo was really doing was they were just putting an emulator in there to be able to do this so of course people are going to break into it and expand it and add more games like a matter of fact a quick story i can tell you just last night i was at a friend's house and he built a classic arcade machine in his house like by hand and when you open it up it's literally just a mini pc and they're running windows 7 and he has every emulator you can think of with like hundreds of games on there and and he has the the ui that he has for it is amazing and he did all this himself so wow. if I could get even a fraction of that out of the NES Classic, I'm all for it. I definitely would do it. Well, I've seen articles where people would actually, uh, there's a how-to video on to do this as well, where you take an old NES cartridge and you take a, um, a Raspberry Pi yeah. uh, mm-hmm. and you make kind of like a, a little mini console out of a, an old Nintendo cartridge. And I think that would be fun to make. I remember, you know, me and Jason were talking about this when they first announced the mini NES. Why not put a hard drive in it Yeah. where you can download any game you want? Why limit it, like, like you were saying, Paris, why limit it to only the 30 games that came with it? Why not put a hard drive where you can connect it, you know, via USB or however you do it and just get as many games as you want on it? I think realistically, the reason that they did not do this is because they plan on charging you for this to put those same games on the Nintendo Switch. <laughs> That's yeah. what's going to happen. So they, yeah. they, don't want, they don't want people doing it on the classic. They're going to push you towards the Switch. But just not at launch. Oh, yeah. Well, that's a whole other story. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that the best thing they could have done is they, you know, being able to do that, probably putting a hard drive in this thing probably would have raised the price on this thing quite a bit. And were people willing to pay that much money for, you know, uh, a classic NES with a hard drive on it to where you could you actually put more games and stuff on it. And then the infrastructure you got to have to be able to do that. Um, but I would have paid an extra, you know, 50, 60 bucks. I would have paid $120 for this thing to have one that you could upgrade and have more games put on it. And also, I have no doubt that they will be releasing a mini SNES this Christmas. Yeah, seems like a no brainer. Well, they need to get more classic NESs out there if they're going to do that, because I still don't have one. Well, yeah, that that is just shameful because, I mean, again, just careful with who hears me about this. But, uh, (laughs) yeah, I I had to jump through many hoops to get one. And I literally left my house at one o'clock in the morning and stood in line to be able to get one. It's it was insanity. Yeah. You know, the fact that Nintendo did not have this thing stocked properly going into the holiday. And even like you said, even now you still can't get one. It's crazy. 
Well, that's kind of. I read somewhere they were going to be discontinued. No, please don't. (laughs) I hope it's not true. I can't remember where I read it, but I read somewhere that they were going to do like maybe one more batch and that was going to be it. Which is dumb. You know, I love Nintendo, but they love shooting themselves in the foot, man. Hmm. Oh, well. Yeah, some some people might be saying they're going to shoot themselves in the foot this Friday. <laughs> yeah, that's. it looks like that's going to be kind of... Well, I said it before, I'm going to wait probably at least until Christmas to see what uh, if Nintendo's going to be able to iron the bugs out of this thing because I think this thing's going to have a rough launch, fellas. You know, and uh, I talked about this on 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 my podcast. Actually, recorded it earlier this morning. Uh, I've softened my stance a little bit because I was saying, like you were, were that I was going to wait until the holiday. But I do see a scenario, it, and and again, this really depends on feedback from the average consumer and just close friends that I know that are getting it. But I can see a scenario of me getting it mm, around the end of April, beginning of May. Um, around that time frame, because I've decided I'm not going to play Zelda on the Wii U. I will just play it on the Switch. But uh, like you're saying, it really depends on like the, the whole Joy-Con issue that's coming up now, and just a lot of things with the physical hardware. needs. I need to make sure that it's reliable before I jump on it. Battery life, obviously, it's going to be another big issue with it. But um, I, there is a scenario where I get it earlier, but chances are probably after the summer going into the holiday, like you're saying. Yeah. So Derek, are you still getting it day one or are you going to wait? I actually, when they first released the pre-orders for the Switch, I was able to get one from Amazon. So it will be shipped here on Friday. And I'll have my first impressions of it on next week's show. That's good because I definitely want to do kind of a a special episode dedicated just to your your experience with the with the switch. Yeah, I I I kind of agree with, you know, what you guys are saying. I know there's going to be issues with it, but at the same time, I'm such a huge Zelda fan that I knew I wouldn't be able to wait until the summer or later yeah. to to play it. So I I'm Zelda is an absolute no-brainer. I have no doubt that it's going to be a really good game. But there's really nothing else to the Switch besides that. And I was saying on on my other show I do, the Nerd Cave podcast, that this 1-2 Switch game that they're releasing, they should have packaged that with the Switch. Mm -hmm. Because it's really an example of kind of showing what the Switch is capable of. Kind of like what they did with Wii Sports when the Wii came out. So I think if they had packaged a game with the Switch, one, it would have been better received and... I just think it it would have given you kind of a free example of what the system can do, like controller-wise. And that's so weird to me that they're shipping it with no game. That that should always be some, you know, that should just be standard that a console comes shipped with some sort of game with it. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. Hmm. But let's go ahead and move out of news for this week, and let's move into this month in video game history. In February of 1989, Atari Games releases Hard Driving arcade arcade game with filled polygon, 3D graphics, physics simulation, and a forced feedback steering wheel. Uh, does anybody else remember this game? Because I only played this a few times. 
Yeah, no, I, I didn't play this back in the day. <laughs> no, I, I didn't either. I've yeah. heard of it, but never, no, never sat down and played it. Yeah, this wasn't really my cup of tea. I only played it a couple times at the arcade, but yeah, it, it never really captured my fancy in the arcade. I was more, you know, I always went more for uh, stuff like um, Afterburner, things like that. And, and maybe, um, what was the uh, motorcycle game that you could sit on the actual motorcycle? And it, was an, it was a Sega game, too. Uh, oh, what was that? Road Rash sure. or something it, like that? What was it? You're, I can picture it, but I can't think of the name of it. I know exactly what you're talking about. I can't remember the name of it. Yeah. I'll do a quick Google search. Hmm. I, it, I keep thinking Road Rash, but it wasn't Road Rash. Um, hmm. I, I, I picture the... I, oh, it's Hang On. Hang On, that's it. Yeah, I'm looking at pictures of it right now. Yeah, it was... I remember this. It was like an actual motorcycle. Hmm. Yeah, I missed those. That's type awesome. Of games. <laughs> they have something similar. Um, I, I've mentioned off and on that you know back in when I went to Houston back in November, I went to a, a bar slash retro arcade place, and they actually had a Mario Kart machine, and it was like you were, you know, in an actual cart, which was kind of cool. I, I miss like physical sets like that. You know, they had one of those at the Chuck E. Cheese near me. I went there for a birthday once for my nephew, and I actually, me and him played Mario Kart like that in the actual carts. I remember that. Mm -hmm. You just reminded me of that. Yeah, there was one nearby here, too, when that game first came out in arcades, but I don't think it's there anymore. Hmm. But I, I miss the physical you know, sets like that, like being on the motorcycle, being in the car. It just adds like a whole different experience to it. Yeah, I always loved games like Afterburner and stuff that would just, the yeah. whole console would move, you know? It just felt like you were really there. Well, there's still the, and I'm forgetting exact what it's called, but the Star Wars game. Like, if yeah, you go yeah, to a yeah. Dave & Buster's now, they still have that, and that will physically move you around as you're going through, like when you're on uh, Endor yeah. and you're shooting the stormtroopers and things like that. And, you know, obviously when you're doing the trench run with the Death Star, I forget the exact name of that, too. I should look that up, but it's, it's a the, Star Wars game. The battle pod, isn't it? Maybe. Maybe that's yeah. what it is. That sounds right. Yeah. Well, I'll let you do the next one, Derek. In 1994, on February 2nd, Sonic the Hedgehog 3 was released for the Mega Drive slash Genesis and introduced Knuckles the Echidna. Uh, this, you know, I, I love the Sonic games back in the day. This was actually the first Sonic game that introduced a save system, which was very nice. Um, Knuckles obviously is one of the most popular Sonic characters that are out there. Uh, did either of you guys ever play this game? I'm sure I did because I know I remember playing with Knuckles. So I, I had I had to play three because back then I, I was playing all all the Sonic games. I think I may have played this on the uh, like an in store like a um, you know a demo, but I never really played too much uh, Sega back in the day. Yeah, this was this was one of the better Sonic games, I think, of that whole era. A lot of people will say that it's Sonic 2. It, to me, it's really close between 2 and 3, but also right after this game was Sonic and Knuckles, where you could actually plug a another uh, con, uh, not cartridge, uh, cartridge into Sonic and Knuckles, and then you could play as Knuckles in Sonic 3 and Sonic 2 which That's was a really so awesome. cool feature and 
I don't remember if that had been done, you know, before or even since then with cartridges. I can't think of anything else that had done that, but that is no. a really cool concept, though. Yeah. Yeah. So Sonic 3, if you're a Sonic fan, for one, you've had to have played it. If not, I definitely check it out. It's it's one of the best Genesis games. And on February 23rd of 1994, Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo Arcade introduces Akuma. This was a little bit after my time of playing Street Fighter, so I don't remember this character at all. No, I don't oh. either. Oh, you don't? I do. I totally oh. do. <laughs> I, was, I was big into Street Fighter 2. Matter of fact, when I was telling the buddy that had the uh, built the arcade unit, we were playing Street Fighter 2 last night. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I me totally and it was good. Yeah, me and Derek were talking about Street Fighter uh, two last week, or the week week before, and um, man, that game has had some legs on it the past twenty something years. Like, can you think of any other game that's still um, just as relevant now? Like, people still play that game, like in tournaments and stuff. Yeah, I mean, nothing that. Yeah, where you're not playing it for nostalgia, but for competitive reasons, yeah, yeah, nothing touches this. I mean, the fact that the same moves that we were doing back in the mid-90s in Street Fighter 2 are still relevant today. Like, yeah. if you pick up and you want to do Ryu or Ken or, you know, um, um, gosh, why am I blanking on her name right now? Um, Chun-Li, yeah. for example. Those moves still translate into the competitive fighting scene right now. So, yeah, huge legs on Street Fighter 2. And there's been like 50 different versions of that game too, like Super Street Fighter Two, uh, Super yeah. Street Fighter Turbo, Super Street Fighter Two Part Two. <laughs> you know, it's like it's crazy how many versions of that game there's been. And even graphically, it, it still holds up for being a 16-bit game. Oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> you want to take the next one, but, Derek? Yeah, uh, in 1995 on February 15th. Uh, Star Wars Dark Forces was released for PC. It was the first in a successful series of Star Wars-based first-person shooters. Now, I was never a big PC game, uh, PC gamer, but looking at the cover art and some of the graphics, I remember when I was a kid, uh, my uncle, who introduced me to like a lot of gaming, also introduced me to Star Wars, uh, I remember watching him play this game for hours uh, after school. So I, I personally have never actually sat down and played it, but looking at the screen caps just brings back so many great memories. Have you guys ever played this game? Oh, yeah. No, I I, did, I, I knew of it, but I never got a chance to play it. Yeah, I had this for uh, my PC back in 95. I had this. Uh, I remember buying at the same time. I bought this and um, Star Wars Rebel Assault, and I bought a, um, a like a joystick controller, like a flight controller. To play with the game and um i loved those star wars games um and they're still available on uh steam if you have a steam account i would definitely suggest going back and and playing these games i'm not sure if um if rebel assault is on steam but i know for sure that dark forces is just looking at this box art it just looks it's so simple but it's so cool Oh, yeah, like it just they're... brings like a flood of memories. Oh, those were great games. And I, I can't recommend it enough. Go on Steam. And you can probably get it for like $2 at this point. It's totally worth it. Oh, for sure. I'll definitely have to, to look into that. 
But uh, anything else with this month in video game history? Uh, that's it. We can go into our mid-roll. All right, so for you, the listeners of the Nerd Cave Retro Podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. And as Jason mentioned at the top of the show, they have over 180,000 titles to choose from. That's like four lifetimes worth of books. Mm-hmm. I, I think Audible is, is fantastic. I've been using it for the last couple of months. Um, I'm about a third of the way through a Star Wars book, Star Wars Bloodline which is so far a very good book. And I think what's cool about it is that they don't just have a person reading. You know, anybody can really do that. But they add in the music, the sound effects. You feel like you're actually in the Star Wars universe. So they put some really good production behind it. If you're a Star Wars fan, definitely check those out. They also have books from Halo, uh, Gears of War, Mass Effect, the Divergent series, Lord of the Rings. So many great books to choose from. And to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash nerdcave for your free audiobook. And I asked Paris what game he would like to help review for this week, and this was the game that he picked. recognizes that theme song especially if you were uh, a child of the late 80s early 90s that is for DuckTales the video game Uh, it was released in 1989 in America and was later ported to the Game Boy in 1990 Uh, it was published by Capcom uh, and based on the Disney animated TV series of the same name. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I love me some DuckTales. I have the DVDs of all the seasons, the movie. Uh, I can't wait for the new series to come out. Like, did you guys love DuckTales as much as I do, did and still do? Oh, absolutely. That's why I picked it as soon as you gave me that option. <laughs> yeah, I love DuckTales. It was, it was an amazing series, and even this game was amazing for its time. You know, Yeah, DuckTales is, is fantastic. And I didn't know this, but I just read this on the Wikipedia page that uh, the key personnel from the Mega Man series went on to make this game. And I was going to make a lot of parallels, like not parallels, but this game is a lot like Mega Man oh. 2. Mm-hmm. Makes a lot mm-hmm. of sense. Now, I never thought of that before, but yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Because this game is just as smooth. Like, I think Mega Man 2 is pro- is up there as one of the greatest, not, not only that one of the greatest NES games, but one of the greatest video games of all time. And I would put this game, DuckTales up there in the same category because it is nearly a perfect video game. What do you guys think? Oh, I'm with you because I just said this, I think a week or so ago on, on my podcast about Mega Man two being one of the best games ever made. And now that you're, you're saying that as far as platformer goes for DuckTales, it has to be up there. I mean, it's definitely one of the top 10 best platformers ever made for sure. Yeah. You know, I, I loved it. It's one of those few games that were based off a movie or TV show 
that was actually really well done. And even going back and playing it because they did a remastered version for mm -hmm. Xbox 360, which that was my first introduction to the game because I never played it on NES. But the gameplay and the soundtrack still hold up today. Like it's one of the most timeless games I think that's ever been made. Oh, absolutely. And for anybody that's never played it, um, the game sees the players in the role of Scrooge McDuck as he travels around the world and outer space in search of five treasures to further increase his fortune. Scrooge is able to attack enemies and get around using his cane, which is probably one of the best like weapons in any Nintendo game. Uh, on the ground, Scrooge can swing his cane to attack enemies and break open or throw certain objects while jumping. Scrooge can bounce on his cane, cane like a pogo stick to attack enemies from above. And the cool thing about this game is it's a lot like Mega Man 2 as far as you can go to... You can start and pretty much go to any level that you want to. And in the game, there are five levels. There's the African Mines, the Amazon, the Himalayas, Transylvania, and the Moon. Um, and you can start wherever you want to go, but actually, to, in order to go into the mines, you um, you have to go back to Transylvania and get a key in order to get into the mines. So you can, it's pretty much kind of open world, but it, it, you know, it's a side scroller, but it's still kind of open world as far as you can go to any level that you want to. And I really, I really like that, that you don't have to start every time you play it, you can kind of play it from a different way. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it, I remember, you know, like I said, playing it through the remastered version. The Amazon gave me so many fits. <laughs> it was ridiculous. But it's, I can't say enough about this game. And it was crazy about the music. You know, you played the, the opening theme, which I'll say is one of the best theme songs ever made for yeah. a TV show. Like, not just animated, but just a TV show ever. And the the moon theme... Because I've I've gone on YouTube and found like best eight bit songs or best eight bit soundtracks of all time. That song is always in the top three or the top five, yeah. like of any list that I listen to. So what about you, Paris? What are what are your memories of playing this game? Did you did play it back in the eighties, right? Yeah, it, it it's funny because obviously the the show was was very relevant back then as well, and I I just remember as a kid <laughs> running home to watch it every afternoon oh, so yeah. seeing a lot of those characters show up in the game during certain situations was kind of my big thing and the, the thing that hooked me and you mentioned that moon level i remember <clears throat> excuse me as a kid going to that moon level and just being blown away by it thinking that just how cool it was and how amazing it was and the one thing that i took from ducktales back then and i played the remaster a little bit recently as well is it wasn't easy, man. No, <laughs> that was, no, that was a hard game. <laughs> I, I'd actually forgot how hard it was. So, I mean, there was definitely, <clears throat> excuse me, a sense of accomplishment uh, when I finally beat it. And, you know, back back then we didn't have all these game choices. So it was a thing of once you got a game, you pretty much played it until oh, you yeah. beat it. And I think DuckTales took me a while. I, 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 I That was not an easy game to finish at all. And, you know, I, Capcom was always one of the... Um, publishers back in the 80s and 90s that had always had like a, a it was almost like a seal of quality um, at least I felt that way back then um, because they did have such great games like Mega Man 2 DuckTales and then you move to the you know Strider and then you move to the SNES and they had games like Final Fight um, 
let's see, what else did they have? The, they did Street Fighter 2. They did all those games, and they were always really good games. But you go back and you look at games like Mickey Mouse Capade and um, the Tailspin. Those were not quality games. So <laughs> you go back and you look at the Capcom library, and it's it's a lot of real, like, either they're great or they're really bad. So this was definitely one of the games that was really good. Oh, for sure. For sure. But um, and, and it was Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say have you did you guys ever play Mickey Mouse Capade or Tailspin, the other Disney properties that that Capcom had? I did not. I I remember I want to say I played Tailspin. I seem to remember that I did, but obviously it didn't hold anything near and dear to my heart yeah. because i can't remember if i liked it hated it or anything well i can safely say this i bought it a few weeks ago um that and mickey mouse capade and those games are awful <laughs> they're nowhere near the quality that ducktales is ducktales is just you, you can't like I can't just describe in words how awesome this game is. Like I've been playing it over the past few weeks, getting ready for this episode. And it's just everything about that game is just perfect. It even was uh, like a commercial and critical success too. like looking at the reviews. Uh, Electronic Gaming Monthly gave it an eight out of 10. Nintendo Power 3.75 out of five. And Mean Machines gave it a 90 percent. So you know, all across the board, people love this game. Yeah, it says uh, Nintendo Power listed DuckTales as the 13th best Nintendo Entertainment System game in 2008, praising it as fun in spite of being a licensed product. So that goes to show how bad the licensed products yeah. were back in mm -hmm. the 80s. Like LJN, those games, like you looked at LJN, it, the LJN label is basically a warning label about how bad those games were. I remember you mentioning that a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> so what do you think about those games, Paris? Do you remember the LJN games? I want to say I do, but I, I'm i trying to remember anyone specifically. I know they were all terrible. Oh, they had <laughs> all the license. That. Yeah, they had all the license stuff back in the 80s. They yeah. did Friday the 13th. Yeah. They did uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, Back to the Future, the Back to the Future games. No. They were... I remember I remember Back to the Future. Now that you mentioned that, I remember because I was so infatuated with Back to the Future back uh, it sounds like an oxymoron back then. Yeah. But uh I remember renting it because I just had to play it. And yeah, that was oh my god, that was probably one of the worst games I've ever played in my life. Now that you mentioned that. So yeah, and that was probably par for the course on all their titles. I I wanna say the Friday the thirteenth one I played but I don't have really have a memory of it. And I'm sure it was terrible too. Oh, it's awful. It's, it's downright just gutter trash. Yeah. I never, there weren't too many NES games like that, that I played, but even like the super Nintendo ones, I tended to shy away from the movie adaptions because mm -hmm. most of them really weren't that good. So the, the DuckTales two, did you, you got, did you guys ever play that? I didn't honestly, I kind of got out of um, video games by the time DuckTales 2 came out, or I was actually moved on to the SNES, so it must have just passed me by because it came out in 1993, and now DuckTales 2 is probably, um, it's one of the rare Nintendo games, and it goes for hundreds of dollars at this point. Yeah, I honestly had no idea there was a sequel to it. 
yeah, I by that point I was I was living overseas, and yeah, I, I definitely didn't play it. I'm pretty sure, like you said, I was moving on to the SNES at that point. Yeah, I just I never played it. I honestly, I still to, haven't even looked up to see any gameplay from it. But from what I hear, it's not definitely not as good as the first Ducktales. But you know, if anybody's a, a Nintendo collector or you know, if if you've never played Nintendo and you have an old Nintendo system, if you come across this game, I bought a copy of it a few weeks ago for twenty five bucks, which I think is pretty fair for a a copy of Ducktales in good good condition, which mine is in very good condition. And um, I plopped the twenty five dollars down, just like here you go, I want it, and I don't regret it because it is one of the top 10 best video games not not only of all time but definitely for the nes and if you come across a copy of it pick it up because this is definitely has to be in anyone's nintendo collection absolutely agreed but uh does anybody else have anything they want to discuss this week before we get out of here um i think i'm good on my end yeah, because there, there wasn't too much uh, retro news going on this week. That's why we only had the one news story. But um, but yeah, DuckTales, I give it uh, out of a scale of 10, I give it uh, I give it an 8.5. What would what would you give it, Paris? I, I got to give it a 9. You know what? I'll do the same thing. Let's both give it a 9. <laughs> yeah, round I mean, up to I, 9. I mean, because, you know, it here we are i'm i'm bad at math i guess but you know 25 years later or however long it's been and to me it it still has relevance like i still have fond memories of it and you know it's like i said in my opinion one of the best platformers made so yeah i i definitely have to give it a nine what about you derek you you did you said you played the original or did you just play the uh the re-release i just played the remastered version i would definitely i would say i'd give it an eight and a half because I, I didn't grow up with it, so I don't have as much you know sentimental value attached to it that you guys do. But it's absolutely, being a fan of platformer games, it's absolutely up there with, with the best of them. So I, I would give it an eight and a half. Yeah, if you, de- if you enjoy Mega Man 2, I would definitely uh, recommend picking up uh, DuckTales. But that's my opinion take it for what it's worth and uh yeah we'll go ahead and say thank you to paris for coming on the show um anytime you want to come back sir you are more than welcome oh thank you guys for having me i really appreciate this this is a lot of fun and it's always good to look back at at the past of, of games and see how it shaped to where we are right now with video games so yeah thank you for having me here i appreciate it so uh, and also uh, Derek and I we just got back from Pensacon last week so you can go to actually the last episode of Pop Culture Palette episode 126 was the uh the panel for Monsters Anonymous that you can listen to and Derek had some panels as well tell him about that Yeah we did uh, a podcasting panel which you can check out Um, it's called Podcasting 101 it's this week's episode I think it's episode 135 of my solo show the Derek Diamond Experience and this past week on the Nerd Cave podcast we released our YouTube panel you can find that I believe that's episode 198 and you can also check it out on YouTube as well. Just go to youtube.com slash nerdcave and you can find it either as one full video or it's broken up into four different segments. 
Fantastic. Well, I think that's going to wrap the show up for this week. So if you would like to email us, email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. You can go to our website, nerdcaveretro.com. We're, we're on Instagram and Twitter at nerdcaveretro. We're also at jfunktastic, at Derek underscore diamond. And Paris can be found at, at vicious696 and also at Gamertag Radio. So go to gamertagradio.com and you can find all his stuff over there. We're also on facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro. And uh, Paris, anything you want to pimp before we get out of here? I think you already did a great job of that. And like I said, find me over on Twitter at Vicious696. And you can find Gamertag Radio at Gamertag Radio on Twitter. And I appreciate you guys for having me. Oh, thank you, sir. And Derek, tell them what it's all about. DuckTales. Woo! You've been listening to a Nerd Cave Network production.